Hello, everybody, and welcome, or welcome back to BNB Anime. I'm your host, Brad. Now, I know you're all wondering, Brad, why are you back? Where's Blue? Why only you? What happened? Well, I am here to tell you what happened. So, Blue and I recorded this episode earlier today. However, her PC died. Yeah, I know. Big sad. Big shock to both of us. It started off us just thinking her mouse was frozen because her mouse wasn't lighting up. And then, but keyboard was still lit up and nothing was moving on screen. And then, kaput. So, we will get that fixed. However, in the meantime, you're stuck with me because the content must roll on. And also, we like doing this for y'all. So, I will tough out doing another one on my own. So, our wonderful, wonderful topic of discussion today is going to be Konosuba the movie or Konosuba God's blessing on this world legend of crimson because this story is going to focus on Megumin and the crimson demon clan the film was directed by Takaomi Karasaki it was made by JC staff which is actually different than the studio that typically did Konosuba, which was Studio Dean. JC Staff is known for doing other things like Data Live, Toradora, and one of Blue and I's favorite shows, Food Wars. The film was released on August 30th of 2019 in Japan and released in the U.S. on November 12th of 2019. Has a runtime of 90 minutes and did 700 million yen in the Japanese box office or about 7 million U.S. dollars or 1.35 million worldwide. Now, the story for this week's episode takes place after season two. However, you can kind of get away without having watched any of this prior, but... Watching seasons one and two kind of give you an idea about the show going into it. Because with... I mean, it gets you used to the jokes, it gets you used to a lot of the setup, and you get a lot more information on the characters going into it. However, Kotosuba is actually very similar to shows like The Daily Lives of High School Boys, Tonika Kun, and all that, to where it's not technically, like... I mean, it is linear, but it's not, if that makes sense. Like, you can watch the film and be fine with it. However, there's definitely a lot of jokes that you won't appreciate as much, having not seen the first two seasons. However, if you want more info on at least season one, we've covered season one a few weeks ago, so you can go check out that episode. It is live now on our YouTube channel and everywhere you get your podcasts, so shameless plug. Okay, and now with all the background information done and out of the way... Let's get into our main topic. So, spoiler chicken hats on. So, our film opens with our main quartet of individuals, Kazuma, Megumin, Darkness, and Aqua all hanging out at the guild because where else would they be? Well, besides the mansion. Anyway, they're hanging out at the guild when the doors to the guild busts open and Union, Megumin's childhood friend and slash rival, however you want to look at their friendship, Busts in, goes up to Cosma, and it's like, oh, hey, you need to get me pregnant. We need to have babies. And everybody's just like, what? She's like, yeah, I got a letter <clears throat> from my father saying they're being attacked by the Devil King. By the time I read this, they're all going to be dead. There is a letter from the town oracle as well that says I need to have a baby with the most normal adventure possible because our kid will go on to defeat the devil king and again everybody's just like what and then boom 
they rip the letter from Union's hands back at the mansion, and they're like, oh, nope. They unfolded the bottom corner, and it's the prologue to a book. So Kazuma standing there with his pants around his ankles because he thought he was going to get laid. Actually, no, no, Kazuma's, Kazuma's not getting laid. No, no. Instead, you just see Aqua just come out of the background while Megamine and Yunyun are conversing. Megamine just comes up, or sorry, Aqua comes up, just picks Cosmos' pants back up around his waist, and they just, it just cuts to Yunyun leaving the mansion because she's like, no, I got to go back and be with my people. And so she leaves. And our quartet are just sitting there, hanging around. And as they are sitting there, hanging out. Megamine starts to be like, mm, you know what? Maybe, maybe I should go. Maybe I should go help them out. So they leave. However, due to none of them knowing teleport magic, they go see Weiss because Weiss has teleport magic. So they go see Weiss. In the meantime, Kazuma and Phantom of the Opera Dude, whose name I cannot remember. All I know is he has a number two on his mask. Is like, oh, hey, by the way, the business venture, I have everything almost secured. We just got to find somebody to make the stuff. So Cosmo's like, cool, whatever. And Weiss is like, all right, I'll send you all on your way. Sends them all on their way. And then after she teleports them away, she's like, uh, wait, what? What's by the Crimson Demon Village again? <clears throat> and cut to the field that they were teleported in. You see Cosmo running and screaming for his life as he is being chased by an entire army of hulked up female orcs that are after him because all of the male orcs have gone extinct. If you've seen any sort of like isekai, slight harem anime, anything along that, you'll recognize the trope. All the men orcs died out for <clears throat> reasons. And so Kazuma is running for his life he gets tackled by the leader of the female lorks, and they start shredding his clothes off until Union appears out of nowhere and creates a magical swamp that sucks all of the orcs in. She dispels it. They all run away, and Kazuma is psychologically scarred for the first time of the film. So Kazuma is lying in Aqua's lap, sucking on his own thumb because he doesn't know what to do with his life. And they are surrounded by members of the Devil King's army. They get into a scuffle with them because Kazuma just starts yelling because he is angry and upset. And then, boom, Crimson Demons come out of nowhere to help them fight. And these four give off some fantastic and like introductions, although it make it seem like they have some badass powers. No, they just have some really sick lightning magic. But we were promised ice and fire, and I'm upset by this. However, I digress. So, they run off the Devil's King army, banish them, whatever. And Kazuma and them make their introductions. Kazuma introduces himself like a crimson demon, just in a very mundane, monotone way. And the dude is like, Megamine, you've got some great friends. This guy knows how to introduce himself. Let's go back to the village. So, they get back to the village. Megamine goes clothes shopping, puts it on Kazuma's tab, because Kazuma's supposed to be rich. So... They see the clothes shop, get some cloaks, and while they're at the clothes shop, the clothes shop owner has clothes out back drying on a clothesline. However, that clothesline is no normal clothesline. It's a rifle that'll come into play in a little bit. So they go on, they go meet Megamine's parents, and as soon as they knock on the door, Megamine's 
Little sister opens the door, sees Kazuma carrying Megumin, because Megumin has already exhausted her explosion magic for the day, and she immediately sprints off into the house and is like, Mom, Dad, Megumin snagged herself a man! And then cut to Kazuma sitting in the living room with Megumin's mom and dad, both of them looking very stoic, you know, like the grayed out eyes down to the nose, you know, that kind of typical thing. And Megumin's mom is like, oh, I've heard you and Megumin are close. So what's what's going on with y'all? Are y'all just friends? Are y'all more than friends? Because we've seen her letters talking about how you always get her end up ended up covered in slime and taking baths together and always carrying her on her back or on your back, you know, that kind of stuff. And Kazuma just starts um, just profusely apologizing. He gives them dumplings and somehow it gets brought up with the fact that he's going to be rich. And they immediately change their tone, and Megumin's mom hatches an idea. So she puts everyone in the household to sleep, except for Kazuma. Locks Kazuma in the room with Megumin. And this is where you see one of the most, like, intense pacing scenes that you could ever see. Because Kazuma's pacing all over the room, because he's like, if I don't get into bed with her, I'm going to freeze to death. But wait, if... I do get into bed with her that everybody's going to think I'm a creep. Oh, God, what am I going to do? Am I going to do anything? No, I'm not going to do anything. I'm better than that, but I'm going to freeze to death. Oh, no, what am I going to do? So after a very, very intense pacing scene, Kazuma gets into bed with her. And then Megumin just springs to her feet. And she's like, oh, God, what did you do? What happened? Oh, wait, what have you done to me? And Kazuma's like, I, I haven't done anything. Like, come, come lay back down. And Megumin's like, oh, okay, good. And then you kind of start to see the moments of, like, Megumin kind of start to soften up a little bit. She's like, but wait, would you, like, you get to see her kind of, I guess, flirtatious side a little bit. I don't know. Megumin's very much like a cat. She's very much like, okay, let's hang out, but not too much because I'll bite, you know, that kind of thing. But then you kind of see this, like, softer, sweeter side to her. And she's like, but wait, would, would you not? do anything with me and like Kazuma sits down for a second thinks about it and he sprints to his feet with his pants already around his ankle again he's like hell yeah I would and she just yeets open the window and sprints out because she's like I knew you would try something and then runs to Union's house to stay the night next morning our quartet are having breakfast and they are causing or they are calling Kazuma all sorts of names like Kazu Trash and, you know, stuff like that, but then playing it off like, no, no, we just said Kazuma. And he just accepts it as it is. Well, throughout this day, you get some more meetings with the villagers and whatnot around town. You get introduced to Union's dad, all that fun stuff. And also another Devil King army attack, except this time, all of the Crimson Demons show up and show out. And let me tell you, this is a very, very beautiful light show. Like, you truly understand, like, how powerful the crimson demons are because they although there are not that many and they were faced with like an army of a thousand they just wipe them out like that was no big deal and then nightfall comes and once again Kazuma is locked in a room with Megamine except this time he has a plan and he uses ice magic to freeze the window shut so Megamine wakes up realizes the situation that she's in with Kazuma and they have a discussion and then the alarm goes off because the Devil King's army is attacking again. So Kazuma sprints outside, very angry, because here he was going through his popular phase with Megumin this time. And then the next 
general of the Devil King's army. Sylvia is standing outside. She is a chimera that can manipulate her body however she sees fit. And she takes Cosima hostage, although Cosima goes very, very willing because of the plot of the situation. So Cosima tells off Darkness, Megamine, and Aqua for not appreciating him. So he gets psychologically scarred by Sylvia for reasons that I will not get into on this one. Because depending on how you look at things, this scene very much could be problematic depending on your views. If you've seen the show, you kind of know what you're getting into. However, it's definitely something that is going to be looked back upon within the next few years and kind of have it questioned. So again, we're not going to get into that bit on the episode today because that's not kind of mine or Blue's position to kind of weigh in on this. But anyway, Kazuma gets kidnapped. He gets thrown into the building that has a magical weapon called the Mage Killer in it. Kazuma is talking with Sylvia and she reads the inscription and she's like, I can't read this. It's in Japanese. And Kazuma's like, oh, I read Japanese. I know what this says. And I also know the code to get into it. She's like, oh, well, you should put it in. He's like, nope, because I've got morals. You're evil. I'm not doing it. So he's like, oh, but you will, because I've got some things that can make you talk. And before she can even finish the statement, he's already keyed the code in and the door opens. So she starts to go inside. Kazuma decides to have a change of heart. And he's like, oh, big brain kicks her straight into the room a little bit more and then inputs the code again to close the door. So Kazuma goes outside with Aqua and friends and they're all celebrating because they're like, yay, she's locked in. She can't get out. And Kazuma's like, nope, stop it. You're going to trigger a red flag. I know how RPGs work. They keep saying it and then suddenly building explodes and Sylvia comes out, you know, same upper half, but lower half is very like shiny silver Weedle-esque. Very long. She's very powerful. She burns down the entire village and then they split up with... Megamine going with the rest of the Crimson Demons and Kazuma, Aqua, and Darkness. They split off to go to the area that has a special tome to where they can read about with how to stop the Mage Killer. They find out that the creator of the Mage Killer also created the entire Crimson Demon Clan. And after the Crimson Demon Clan found out that he had created the Mage Killer, they're like, no, no, you need to give us something to stop it. So he also created the rifle. That was a clothesline. That rifle is the only way to stop the Mage Killer once it's used. So they go get the rifle. Aqua charges it up. Kazuma goes to pull the trigger and just puff of smoke. So like, oh, well, this was a bust. Then Megamine is like, all right, you know what? I can do this. I have the most powerful magic on my hands. So she goes for her explosion magic for the day. She uses it, but wait, nope. Magic gets sucked up into the rifle, and Yun-Yun is like, oh, hey, look, the rifle's charged. So Kazuma goes to pull the trigger, goes through his typical spiel of, I am the anime protagonist. I can do this. And then with said explosion magic used, Megamine's little sister pulls the trigger, kills Sylvia, but wait, nope, Sylvia is not actually dead. She fuses with the Dulahan and the slime monster from seasons one and two, and now she's more powerful than ever, so they have to come up with a plan to stop her in her more powerful form. And also, Weez and Phantom of the Opera number two man show up. So, they split up again. Kazuma goes up to Sylvia, and he's like, hey, I love you. We should get together, because you obviously want to be loved. So, Kazuma 
So yeah, Kazuma gets absorbed by Sylvia. He basically becomes her heart. He's stuck right in between the plot of the situation. And Whis gathers up all of the Crimson Demons. She absorbs all of their magic from them, transfers it to Yunyun and Megamine. Megamine and Yunyun combined their ultimate power that they have obtained and absolutely obliterate Kazuma and Sylvia. So it's a running joke throughout the show that whenever Kazuma dies, he gets to go sit before, uh, I can't, I can't remember her name. Eris, I think. So yeah, Kazuma gets to go sit with Eris, except this time Eris looks absolutely horrified. So I can only imagine that Kazuma is before her, but as a pile of dust and a skull. So anyway, Kazuma gets reincarnated. They all go back to town. Kazuma's heralded as a hero because he officially defeated another Devil King general. And the show goes on. So the film is good. It's in the lost episode of this. Blue and I had talked about it. And it's not as good as the first season. Like it's not as extremely quirky. But it's a film. It's not going to have time to build and grow a lot of its quirks. It has a lot of fantastic background humor though. So if you're not paying attention to the background of a lot of a time, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. But still, it's a great time to sit and be a part of. And I think we both ended up giving it an 8, I think. And I can kind of stand by an 8. That's kind of what we gave the first season. Although it's not as good, it's a film. So it's still kind of, it still kind of hits well in your heart. And it's, it's a fun time. But yeah. Again, sorry for the short episode. This is kind of very last minute because I tried to wait as long as possible to try to get her audio to me and it's just, it's not working. So this is me recording literally an hour before we have to get this uploaded. So I got to get this edited and taken care of. However, thank you for your patience with us and our technical difficulties. If you want to hear more from myself and Blue, you can... Check us out on our socials. I'm at Brad Carter Gaming on Instagram and Twitch. I stream quite a bit. We'll probably be streaming more here in the next little bit. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at BlueLavenderSTM and on TikTok at BlueLavender. And we have a website that has a backlog of all of our other episodes if you want to listen to some other stuff, especially the first season of this at the film of this film so that way you get a little bit more context on what's going on that's available it also has info about blue and i some of our artwork friends of the podcast links to our imd pages and discord channels all of that fun stuff and then our youtube channel we have very fancy thumbnails we got a new fancy video format that is absolutely fantastic it looks great it's one of my favorite things about this podcast it's wonderful so you can check all of that out there Next week, as long as Blue and I have time, we will be covering Relife. It's one of my favorite slice of life animes. However, if we don't, you can expect a film. Probably Howl's Moving Castle. I'm not sure. We'll figure that out whenever we get there. However, thank you all so much for listening. Blue and I greatly appreciate it, and we will catch y'all next time. Bye bye